Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. I'm, I'm conscious I don't want to climb too hard into this Irish team. They've had a bad day out and it still took the last kick of the game and a pretty poorly managed last two minutes to beat them. So it's the same thing as the kind of New Zealand game. But I think, you know, you, be, you would be a little bit concerned about in the big ones, what, what are they thinking? Are, are, you know, what's the kind of introspection like this week? And I think, by the way, uh, if that meeting was pretty tough on the players, I think the coaching staff will need to have a real look at themselves as well. Every week on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and this week I caught up with Joe Brawley and I started off by asking him what he's made of the Super H as a whole after we finished the first season. Well, I suppose a part of the problem is that, you know, we are, you know, you've got a lot of hurling games as well, a lot of extra hurling games. Mm. And uh, the idea is to showcase the game. And of course they are showcasing the game. They've been brilliant, and the extra hurling games have, you know, added extra vigour to to the teams and to the hurling championship. And you know, so we we've seen contests at the highest level. You know that if a Martian was dropped onto, you know, Semple Stadium, he would marvel at the endeavour. And so, on the one hand, hurling is being showcased, and um, you know we're seeing the brilliance of the game. The problem with the additional games in the football is that it's it's tending tending to highlight. The fundamental problems with the game at the moment, mm. and um, and and then it's making it even worse because of the stark contrast between that and the hurling. You know, so my, my brother Prunches, who's who's a lifetime football man, texted me um, after the weekend, and he said, you know, we should uh, we should ban football, and the GA should concentrate its efforts on on a, a thirty-two county hurling championship. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. That is one of the problems. Um, obviously, the other problems with the football championship are the principled problems. You know, the elitism, you know, the fact that um, you know, for twenty-four counties, you know, there's no interest in it, mm. um, and you know that um, those counties are all consigned to hopelessness. You know, and what you see is that. It, it's becoming increasingly difficult to fundraise. It's been com- becoming increasingly difficult to sell a county senior football team to the clubs. You know, I see it in Derry, for example. Um, and, um, you know, there is a real disenchantment there and it needs to be dealt with. Can't continue to ignore the problem and hope that it will go away. And I think at least one good impact of the Super 8s is that people are talking about that and saying that, like, we need to urgently do something with the game. Mm. And with and with and with the structure, I guess there have been some positives though to come out of it. Like you know, a great story like Monaghan with such a small population reaching out on semi final, yeah. like and you know beating an informed Galway team. 
Well, you say an informed Galway team, but I think that Galway play rigidly to a system, and you know they they um, kept Roscommon in it for the whole first half of their game. You know they they squandered terrific opportunities against Dublin down in Salt Hill and again in Croke Park whenever they had a man up for most of the second half. Um, and we saw the end for Galway on Saturday. You know, that inflexible defensive system which stifles imagination and in the end then it's not possible to play imaginatively mm. because you're only there to perform a role. And I think, you know, sort of symbolic of what's happening with Galway is that Shane Walsh, who's a, who's a hugely talented footballer, has been reduced to playing in the blanket defence, soloing the ball forward from his own 45 to the opposing 45 and then hand-passing the ball off. Mm. And, you know, whenever you play with a rigid zonal defence like they have, with six players strung across the front of the zone, it means that it's very, very difficult to get the right defence attack balance. You're not pushed up the field far enough. You're not engaging the opposition until you're 45. Therefore, you're only turning them over if you turn them over from the 45 in. And you're just having to carry the ball forward slowly. And for a team like Monaghan that are expert at the zone defence and have been doing this for five, six years now, you know, we've got two Ulster Championships and are a very, very spiky team and who are... Who are, who are becoming increasingly good at breaking down a zonal defence like that. We saw that against Tyrone, the way they were able to break Tyrone down systematically. Mm. I know they had a horror show against Romana, but that, that again highlights the problems if you stick rigidly within the blanket defensive structure, which Monaghan did that day. You know, it allowed Romana to catch them. Because it's the system in the end that prevails whenever it's two systems against each other like that. Mm. So... You know, you know, Tyrone in the last 10 minutes against Dublin, when they had to push up and look to their last protection, they looked, they looked very good. Kieran McGeary was on the field, you know, who's a superb player, and it's mystifying that he hasn't been chosen in the first 15. Um, well, Mickey Hart gave, gave talk after the game, and he said that he's deliberately holding back some of his better forwards or better players so he can't spring them in the last 20 minutes, yeah. and they can't have yeah, that big well, impact like against Donegal. Well, you know... Mickey, Mickey says that, and that's fine. You know, I think it was born of panic. I think they were four points down. You know, they were hitting the 50th minute, and, you know, they needed to do something urgently. But this idea, which has become prevalent now, that, you know, hugely talented forwards like Lee Brennan and Kieran McGeary are better on the bench. Mm. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean it's, it's a perverse idea. And... We saw immediately whenever they were on the field, and more importantly, when Tyrone pushed up out of the zonal defence. Now, they kept Colin Kavanagh as the sweeper, and that's fine. I mean, I have no issues with that. Um, if Kerry had done that against Monaghan, it made a very, very different different outcome in Clonus. And But once they pushed out, and they were in attacking positions, and when they turned the ball over, they were in a position to attack, and also they were harrying um, Donegal. They weren't letting them up the pitch. Then, of course, the game became entirely different and it's mystifying to me that a team would risk. So look what Galway did. Galway would probably say something like Toronto where we wanted to keep it tight for the first 30 minutes. Mm. Well, good luck with that against the Dubs. You know, good luck with that, keeping it tight for the first 30 minutes and then springing your good forwards in the last quarter. Um, I mean, if anyone thinks that that's going to work, well... And, I guess, and, and that, that's the thinking, you know, that's what everyone was saying after the, the, the Donegal-Tyrone game. 
you know, even people who would be knowledgeable about football saying, you know, well, I mean, that's the only way to play it, you know, to hold, keep it tight for the first 50 minutes, you know, and then have a go. Which is all very well against another blanket defensive team. But, you know, we, we've seen we've seen the outcome of that against Dublin. And speaking of Dublin, this will be the first year, like under Jim Gavin and even under Pat that they won't have to go through Kerry or Mayo to possibly win an All-Ireland. On paper, it would look to be maybe the easiest route they would have had to an All-Ireland. Is that how you see it? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the Mayo always give them their fill of it and, you know, really did um, ask questions of them that no one else did because Mayo weren't afraid of them. You know, Mayo's problem was that, that they had a couple of perennial letdowns, big-name players who were letting them down when it came to the crunch, and you need everybody. You need everybody to give it a, to be given it everything that they have and playing with courage and adventure. And uh, and so, you know, they sort of had those heartbreaking losses to Mayo, a point a draw, a replay, a point, etc., etc. And, um, you know, it's a different challenge. I think that, you know, one of the Dublin players said to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, like, you know, these, there's nothing um, imaginative about these teams. You know, it's very, very predictable what they're going to do. You know, so it's utterly predictable what Galway are going to do, very predictable what Monaghan are going to do. You know, I mean, they're going to put two or three players into the the other team's zonal defence. You know, Vinnie Corey's going to run the left flank. Carlo Connell's going to run the right flank. You know, they're going to recycle the ball. You know, McManus is going to loop round. We know exactly how they're going to play. We know exactly how Toronto are going to play. Um, We know exactly how Galway are going to play. They have the most static system of all. So Dublin have an advantage of knowing, you know, that they're not, they're not really being pushed to the limits against these teams. And the impression of the qualifier league, of the Super 8 league games, was that Dublin were at their leisure. Save for that three or four minute period in the Tyrone-Dublin game where Tyrone really went for them. Mm. See, I believe Tyrone have the players to do that. And I think that Tyrone do have the players to, to trouble the dubs. Um, but not not playing, you know, conservatively for 50 minutes because... The thing about the dubs is that unlike Donegal, who, have, who had four or five of the Jim McGuinness era players who clearly ran out of steam, Frank McGlynn, Paddy McGrath, Leo McLoone, etc., and he brought on Anthony Thompson, um, you know, but you could clearly see Donegal running out of steam against Tyrone's youth. That's not you can't rely on that against Dublin. Mm. I mean, Dublin are not going to run out of steam, you know, and that you are not going to run the legs off them as Tyrone eventually did to Donegal in the final quarter. So. I mean, I think it's time for courage here because, I mean, I think a big game, Monaghan and Tyrone, um, I think Monaghan are very much the outsiders in that game. I think Tyrone have too much for them all around. Uh, and if I'm if, if I'm wrong about that, I'll be delighted because, I mean, I'd be delighted to see Monaghan in an All-Ireland final. Mm. But I think the team best equipped to have a go, but only if they have a go, is Tyrone. I mean, I mean, I was making the argument last week, and it sounded ridiculous even to have to make the argument when I heard my voice out loud saying, you know, that, you know, Tyrone could easily play with four forwards and a 10-man defence with two double sweepers, you know, double sweepers in the square, double sweepers between the, the halfbacks. Mm. You know, <laughs> 10 defenders is surely enough, you know, and I know it might sound ridiculous, and certainly if you were saying that 10 years ago, it would have sounded ridiculous, but it is actually enough. And that would give a team like Tyrone, who are dynamic, good, very, very good forwards, so long as they pick them, that would give them the attack-defence balance to have a real go at the dubs. 
I'd be interested to get your opinion just be- just before I let you go on, on you know the situation in Kerry. Obviously, they they won their game, but were were knocked out of the, of the All Ireland Championship. Aim Fitzmaurice stepped down. You know, do you think that was it was was it the right call for Kerry? Do you think? Well, it's it's a huge commitment now, and you know, Eamon has given everything to the cause, and he's given everything to schools football. You know, he's a football man to the core, and you know, you can see that things haven't worked for him. I think it took him too long to introduce um, younger players from the the superb Ball Ireland minor winning teams, etc. And you can see that at the moment the team isn't sure how it's going to play. I think that they had a difficult experience in the league and then they did, in fairness, I think it, it was an illusion, obviously, created in the Mustard Championship by how poor Cork were. Um, but you know, once they were coming up against the blanket defensive teams, once they were being really put to the pin of their collar, they had very few answers. And but for the, I mean, the phenomenon that is Clifford, who who could easily be the player of the year because mm. he's been living on scraps and his contributions have been monumental. I mean, I just didn't foresee. I mean, I knew he was outstanding, but I just didn't see that he would settle so quickly and against blanket defences that he would be able to live on scraps and score so heavily. But I mean, this is um, this kid is this kid is full metal jacket. There's no, um, you know, there's been no blood and in period required for him. But aside from that, um, you know, it has been disappointing for them. And I think it's time to start again. That was the feeling that I've had anyway. It's time to start again. They've got a minor manager who's won three All Irelands in a row. No doubt, Jack O'Connor would give his right arm to have the job back. Um, but I think it's time for a fresh voice. Would you would you would you think maybe appointing Peter Keane because obviously Jack O'Connor has been in there three think, twice already. I, I, I think so. I think it would be a good. I think it would be a good move. I mean, obviously there's a big pressure associated with it, but those boys love football and it's great to be around those teams. And whenever you're in that way of going and you're a manager and that's your mindset and that's what you're used to doing in your life, then it's also it's also to be carried carry manager a huge honour. Must be really exciting at the moment because they do have so many players coming through. Um, and uh, I mean it's just a matter of having a more cohesive defensive structure you know the team looked disjointed and it, it looked it looked to be a team that was hoping for the best and uh, I mean we saw that particularly against Galway like there's no mystery with Galway's blanket defence and we saw how Monaghan picked it apart mm. I mean Kerry looked as though they'd never seen a blanket defence before mm. So, so it, there, there it, were there were there were issues there, you know. Is that the, the thing on the top of the list for the next manager? The, the defense. Is there anything else you think that the carry manager does? No, I mean penetrating penetrating the blanket defense is a huge thing, and you know um, work. You do need to work systematically to do that. You know, you need a you need to have a very clear strategy as to how to penetrate the blanket defense. You can't hit and hope, and you can't hope for the best. I mean, in the end, Kerry were just to, to kicking the ball long to Kieran Donnelly and flick downs. Mm. Now, I know it's I know it saved them in Clonus, but it was too late by then. I mean, they're they're they're. I, I suppose in a way, like it's you know, because Morris could say, look, you know, we were just sort of fighting our feet. Um, we we uh, we go to Croke Park, we lose one game, we do play very poorly, but you know, we snatch a draw in an epic game in Clonus, uh, and then we beat Kildare. You know, we're being judged on the fact that we failed so badly against Galway, but. I think that wouldn't be true. The truth is that there are systemic problems with the team and the strategy. Mm. 
And what did you make of, I guess I even talked about him getting anonymous letters of, you know, kind of fairly heavy criticism from some supporters. Welcome to the club. I've been getting hit mail for years. It's all part, <laughs> of, it's all, it's all part of the fun. Okay, Joe, thanks so much. I really appreciate you joining us. Pleasure. Cheers. That's all we have time from the throne this week. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next Monday with a podcast reviewing all the All-Ireland football semi-final action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening, and goodbye.